adding humor to the attack ads in the Senate race, which side is doing a better job? George W. Bush campaigns for Todd Young, Mike Pence tries to smooth GOP feathers in Congress, and Gary Johnson at Purdue. That plus ITT Tech bites the dust, the torch relay, and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending September 16, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Evan Bayh's residency continued to be the dominant issue in the race for U.S. Senate. A new Bayh ad tries to show off his Hoosier credentials, making use of a basketball hoop and his twin sons who appear in T-shirts representing Indiana sports teams. But both Todd Young and the National Republican Senatorial Committee have responded with ads that accuse Bayh of leaving Indiana. Both employ actors. One poses as Bayh. Others pose as Bayh neighbors in D.C. And after Bai left us to work for them, he's back. Hi, I'm Evan Bai. I just love Indiana. And I am not a lobbyist. He's just a real member of the D.C. community. Uh, old Ev, he is a great neighbor. I see him all the time. Lobby? No way. Lobs? You bet. It's a clever way to point out the fact that Todd Young is, 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 is lying about the fact that Evan Bai is a lobbyist, which he's not. And that state Democratic Chairman John Zodi coming to Bayh's defense. Who is winning the ad war? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat and Delaney. Republican John Hammond. Leslie Weidenbenner, managing editor of the Indianapolis Business Journal. And John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. And Delaney, were those T-shirts worn by the... Buy boys newly purchased. <laughs> they weren't made in China like the ones used for the bicentennial torch parade. I can tell sure. you that. We huh? don't know for sure. Well, well, they, it could have been made by Donald Trump's company, actually. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think they're winning the wars there. The hypocrisy involved in Todd Young's ad—they know he's never been a lobbyist, and you know that being a lobbyist, a registered lobbyist, is well, a legal description. So he's well, never lobbied. He's never registered to lobby, but he worked for the law firm McGuire Woods, so and the, the Republicans have come up with a document from the law firm this week where they describe some of his activities as lobbying. You have to be a registered lobbyist in order to lobby, okay, in order to lobby the government. And that is a legal description and there are legal requirements, all right? He is not a registered lobbyist. But, but even he some of the point is some of, some of the people he worked for confused it. Well, that, that, so what? I mean, you've been known to do that on occasion, too, and that doesn't mean that everybody at Channel 8 is held accountable. But the fact of the matter is he's not a lobbyist. He's always voted in Indiana. He's owned property in Indiana. And they elected Dan Coates, who hadn't voted in Indiana in 10 years, owned no property in Indiana, by the way, was a registered right, lobbyist, right. and wanted to retire to North Carolina, and that didn't bother them. And Todd Young's would-be successor 
Tennessee Trey moved into Indiana so his father could buy him a congressional seat. And you know what? That doesn't seem to bother Todd. Isn't well, that ir ironic? The young campaign and the Republicans uh, in the Senate who are helping him out would like this to, to morph from a residency discussion to a lobbyist discussion, right? Well, you know, it might even be the other way around. Here's what I would say about the lobbying issue. And I think most Hoosiers get confused by these technical definitions. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, maybe a duck. And so when Are you, you look, saying he violated the law, when, John? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I said when okay. you look at the website, it was what he does. He impacts the actions of Congress. So. I'm, I'm, well, we all I'm do a, that, too, when we I'm vote. A I'm a, actually, I am a lobbyist well, and a lawyer, no. and that, that kind of advocacy. But you know. well, but, well, let me help, let me help with that like if lobbying. I can. Because if, if you're a registered lobbyist, then, then you talk to members of Congress. If you're not a registered right. lobbyist, then you influence the, the actions of clients and not necessarily well, Congress, right? I understand right? What you're, the, the distinction. I understand what you're trying to say to the viewers at home, but I still think... It's a technicality that people are not really buying into. I think oh, that, come so on, So to get John, to your question, you know let me that. get to Jim's question. You're a lawyer. He wants to say they're shipping from one place to the other, to the lobby section. Right. I think it's the other way around. I do think that the overriding concern is going to be for over half a decade, Evan Bayh has not been here. And people believe he's out of touch. It's a very bad Did time. Did you have that and very, same concern about uh, Dan Coates? Madam, you Did I you have that you. same concern about Dan Coates? You're absent. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, 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 you're and so uh, <laughs> I understand your, your point, but today yeah, is today. Good. And yeah. so the issue, so I the, think, the no, no, you, Let's you, let John you, finish. you are interrupting me. And so I did. I, but I'll, I'll did have me. to do that to you. I did. I did. I was did very In the beginning, you did. The point is that, that um, it, this is a very tough atmosphere in which to come back as a former longtime politician to say to the public, oh, yeah, I'm ready to come change the world change Washington. I don't think people are buying that. Well, and that's the question to you, Leslie. We saw with Dan Coates that it didn't seem to matter. Uh, will it matter this time? Well, something matters, because I don't think Evan Bayh is having the easy road um, that a lot of people expected him to. I mean, the truth is, this is a much closer, tougher race than I think most Democrats thought it would be once Evan Bayh got into it. And I think that it seems, it seems clear to me that he is on the run a little bit. And so uh, I, I, I don't know for sure whether it's these ads, but something is working for Tanya. Well, and I was struck. How about $9 million well, worth of out-of-state well, well, let's, let's give John a chance here. Yeah, what I was struck by most, though, was the fact that Bai felt the need to do an ad in front of a basketball hoop with his sons wearing these T-shirts, which are subtle ways of saying we're Hoosiers. We're not so subtle ways. I was going to say, that. not that's, very subtle. That's pretty blatant and, and out there, but I think that that's necessary. The residency issue has dogged him his entire political well, career. 30 years ago. Uh, right. So, I mean, uh, it, it didn't work then. We'll see if it works now. I think Ann makes very good points about the Coates contrast with the by contrast, but I think the other thing that's, that's going to work uh, and make, make it more difficult for Evan By is the way he left Senate last time. We haven't gotten into that yet, and I think you know, Hoosiers have shown that they, they aren't too worried, I think, in most cases about residency uh, or about uh, right. the other issues, but they might be worried about it's or they might take the a second quality of it. It's the, it's, the, it's the idea that he is. Well, there's nothing wrong with. Look, look, there's nothing wrong right. with being a lobbyist, John. 
You're a lobbyist. Right. You're, you're, no, you're a good person. There's nothing wrong. And the insinuation that there's something wrong with that bothers me a little bit, too, because, again, it's tearing down the institution you know, they're, they're for the personal gain. Right. And, and, and I'm all aboard with that, but they are, they're, they're spending a lot, lot of time right. defending themselves on an issue they claim is not an issue. So, Well, your guys are raising it constantly. I'll tell you what. So what do you do? You don't say anything? One of the rules of politics is you have to defend yourself. You've got to respond. This is the rule of politics. That's right, but they are on their heels. There's no question. All right, let's move on. George W. Bush has appeared at two fundraisers for Todd Young this week. They were private events, closed to the media, and the former president did not appear in public. Todd Young, however, met with reporters to explain what it means to his campaign. We did acquire photos taken inside an Elkhart fundraiser, photos taken by a GOP leader who posted them on social media. Tickets cost $1,000, with some people giving up to $17,700. Here's how Young described it. I think he's very uh, openly said that. Uh, he said that here today. He said that in other forums that it is essential for uh, the Republican Party uh, to hold on to the United States Senate. And uh, the reason for that is, is quite clear. Um, uh, it is Republicans who stand for what I consider common sense Hoosier conservative values. John Hammond, that effort to win or keep control of the Senate by the Republicans, uh, it brought Paul Ryan to town yes, for, for Todd Young this week. Can he catch Evan by in the money race? You know what? <clears throat> he is catching him. We've, you know, we have a two-to-one advantage uh, in terms of the amount of money spent on ads since Evan Bayh first spent the first million from out of state. Not, not he, Most of that's not coming the through the Young campaign, however. Right. That's right? correct. It just says the first million didn't come through the Bayh campaign. It came from the DFCC. So that's all fair. That's a part of the, that's a part of the deal. But can they catch them? Yes. They've got plenty of money to do the job. They keep hacking away. I tell you, I wouldn't be concerned if I were Evan Bayh. I know that they're going to present a nice, confident front. But I would be very concerned. I'd be in a little bit of a panic because that gap is closing day by day. Well, the Senate Majority Pack, which is a Democrat pack, right. came in with $700,000 right. in attack ads uh, against Todd Young this week. Is right. that a sign that bias is Well, concerned? I mean, obviously, nobody expected that that gap was going to stay that big. And everybody expected that millions were going to be put in by the Republican right wing to try to control the Senate. What's really interesting about this Bush appearance is not even the money, is the fact that he wouldn't appear with them in public. Because the first question asked by a responsible media person like yourself, Jim, would be, Todd Young's running these attack ads about bailing out the banks. That was your program, President Bush. How do you feel about that? You also support Social Security. Todd Young calls it a Ponzi scheme. You actually think government has a function. Todd Young wants to shut it down. That's why he didn't appear with them in public. Well, they don't we'll agree you, about I anything. I will tell you I was looking forward to posing those questions. I bet you were. <laughs> That's the bottom line, is Todd Young has well, been completely irresponsible right-winger in Congress, and that puts him at uh, opposite ends of the spectrum with George the, Bush. So, Who's Security, interrupting now? I, I am interrupting you right now, because okay, I think you're you. almost Just done. Just as long as we clarify that. I think you're almost that. done. But, but, so what, what do you call it when the Social Security fund itself is not You're, you're saying it's a Ponzi scheme, too? What, what else do you call it? When you are borrowing I from other people to pay for something you already committed. I call it a socially responsible program that helps poor people, is what I say. Let's stick with the, the, stick with the okay. fundraising efforts here. You, you, will Evan Bay be getting big-name help in the same fashion? Um, well, that's a good question. I'm not sure about that. But as far as the money, he's going to have plenty of money. But it probably won't flow through. The majority of it won't flow through either of the campaigns. We asked a, a few weeks ago whether we thought this would set the record or beat the record of $50 million spent in the Donnelly-Murdoch race. 
And the answer, I think, is emphatically yes. And I think they might beat it by a factor of 50%. You know? I don't think that you will see a lot of the big-name Democrats coming here because I don't think that helps them by. I don't In Indiana. In because Indiana. Because of the nature That's of right. Indiana. Because of the nature of Indiana, I don't think you're going to have the same kinds of folks coming in and doing those kinds of events. I tell you, we were glad to have George W. Bush in, and they raised a lot of money in Elkhart, Indianapolis. Close to a million dollars. Close to a million dollars. And he was glad not to be seen publicly with Todd Young and answer He's, those questions. He very much endorsed Todd Young. I was Not publicly, there. he didn't, because he can't defend iPhone, the ads, because Paul Todd Ryan, Young's ads are yeah, false. I've got a couple Paul, iPhone Ryan pictures didn't Todd Young's ads yeah. are false. Paul Ryan didn't meet with the media either, for what it's well, worth. Well, the same moving reason. On, moving on. Mike Pence was on Capitol Hill this week to meet with Republican members of Congress. Congress, he held a short question and answer session with House Speaker Paul Ryan when someone asked about Hillary Clinton's controversial comments from last Friday. That's when she, she said that half of Donald Trump's supporters belong in a basket of deplorables. This was a, 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 a catastrophic insult to the American people. And it's so important that people around the country know this was a prepared speech. This is not the first time she called millions of Americans a basket of deplorables. Uh, and I just, as I said, I think anyone that's got that low an opinion of the American people should never serve in the highest office in the land. John Ketzenberger, it's easy to find reasons to attack Hillary Clinton. How difficult is it to sell Donald Trump to members of Congress? <laughs> well, um, that's got to be a tough sell. Um, because as we saw afterwards, even the people standing on the stage with uh, uh, Governor Pence were distancing themselves from Donald Trump. So I think um, it's a difficult sell in Congress, even as the polls tighten. However, I will say that they have you know, moderated some. They, they aren't um, divorcing themselves from Trump, where uh, two or three weeks ago it looked like they were ready to pull that cord. Right, so I think, time, I think time uh, will tell. But, well, time uh, in polls. Time in polls as will the, tell. As the, if the polls continue to tighten... And if by chance Donald Trump would get a lead, all of a sudden some of those people who are distancing themselves from Donald Trump may not be doing that anymore. Well, if you're a Republican in Congress, it's hard to see where, where you gain anything by having a Clinton administration. That's right. And Mike Pence is a pretty good uh, emissary for the Congress, for, for Trump, regardless of kind of where everybody's position was a couple of months ago. I think it's a case-by-case, state-by-state situation, but by and large, it is now tightened. That race is tightened. Uh, they see more discipline out of Trump. They see a little more depth in policy, and, and are a lot that are now willing to be associated with him. <laughs> but more, more discipline is... Uh, yeah, there's no depth in policy uh, at all. And the irony yeah, of this is uh, that there, these things will ebb and flow. Had, it'll ebb and sure. flow a few more times before the election occurs. But, and obviously, Hillary shouldn't have said what she said. But the fact of that matter remains that there are a percentage, maybe not a large percentage, but there are a percentage of people who actively support Trump, who subscribe to the notion of demeaning women and demeaning people with disabilities and demeaning our veterans and demeaning those who lost their lives for our country and being a bigot. Okay? There are people like that. The vast majority of them are willing to accept his positions on that in order to win. And then there are some courageous Republicans, but, like the Bush family, and Kasich, and Lindley Graham, who will not yeah. have anything to do yeah, with this it. Question. Well, that's right. But if I grant you that, uh, if you're Hillary Clinton and you're talking to people who are already I'm supporting you at a fundraiser, strategically, it's a huge said mistake. It, it was a mistake. Well, okay, uh, plain and simple, it was a mistake. Right. But the fact of the matter is that there are people who support Donald Trump 
who believe, as Donald Trump believes, right. in the racist and bigoted approach that he's taken Look, to the campaign. When you make that statement about the American electorate, no matter what I'm percentage, about the Ameri- I'm not that's what she said. Well, I'm not asking I'm you not to defend it, but it was was a very, But she very is bad, correct about the fact that there are people view who support of what him. the Republicans well, are about. How it's, do you vote for Donald Trump when he is a racist? Hang on, John Getzenberg. I think I think when we got this episode, clearly they're trying to make this the 47 percent moment that hurt Mitt Romney so badly last time. That cannot be the case, given all that Donald Trump has said and many of the outrageous things he's been saying for a a year now um, versus one mistake uh, that Hillary Clinton has made. So it's not the 47 percent moment that uh, Mitt Romney had. Moving on. Purdue President Mitch Daniels hosted Libertarian candidate for President Gary Johnson for an onstage discussion this week. Here's one example of how Johnson's campaign differs from those of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. As president, I will deschedule marijuana as a class one narcotic that will that will allow uh, for the research and development that needs to go along with cannabis. Cannabis doesn't kill anybody. Leslie Weidenbetter, is that a winning issue? Not here. No, I don't think it is in Indiana. I mean, you haven't seen any real movement in Indiana toward decriminalizing marijuana or medical marijuana. So I, I don't think it means anything here. Across the country, I, I, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are interested in that. Having said that, it, it, can't, be the, it can't be what the primary thing think of, people think about when they think of you as a presidential candidate. Right. I mean, there's a little more going on. Yeah, speaking of discipline, he doesn't seem to be the most disciplined of candidates. Well, you know, that's true. Um, and i got to imagine, I'd, I wish I'd seen uh, former Governor Daniel's face when, you know, those kinds of things were being talked about on the stage that he invited him to. Uh, but I just have to observe, Jim, that if, if that uh, had been at IU and that comment had been made, they probably would have been cheering and standing in the aisles. Well, instead of a polite, too, John. Oh, well, you know, I have, some, I have some people that I know there, and that's probably true. But it, it, it is not a winning issue in Indiana. It may not be throughout the rest of the country. This is a, and the, the libertarian ticket really is a good jumping-off point for a lot of people. It could be, uh, and it would be. But when you make news like that, it just undermines the credibility of it. So the question is, if you don't want to go to Clinton, you don't want to go to Trump, do you want to go to Johnson and Weld? And that's, this, these kinds of things probably make it a little more difficult. I think not knowing where Aleppo was probably made it more difficult, too. Well, he's not doing what he needs to do to be an alternative. He's not an alternative. We don't have a third party. He's an alternative in this something. I'm not sure what. Yeah, it is. It, it, <laughs> as long as the electoral college, electoral college is yeah. in place, there are no third party candidates that can win. Period. But End you know, he discussion. did acquit himself pretty well when he's the governor of New Mexico. I mean, um, I had a chance to meet him over time. I mean, it's they're an alternative for people to consider. Well, but I don't know but that to part. your point, he's he's not going to win, but he can have an effect on the outcome. Nevertheless, he can have an effect. Uh, certainly, Perot had an effect on right. the outcome, and That's it would be true. a more effective <laughs> effect on the outcome if he would stick to some issues that mm. most of the rest of us care about. And if he got into the debates, <clears throat> all right. Well, he's not going to with nine percent, and that's not going to help him. 
Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. Last week's question, should Gary Johnson be included in the presidential debates? 60% said yes, 34% said no, 6% said who's Gary Johnson? This week's question, do former students at ITT Tech deserve government help? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, only the veterans. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Former ITT Tech students are getting help from local colleges after ITT closed up shop this week. Starting next week, five local colleges will meet at Ivy Tech's Fall Creek campus for an open house. The goal is to help displaced students sort through their options and get them back in the classroom. I want to make sure that you know that there are other colleges and universities in the state who will be responsive to these students as well. These happen to be the ones who came forward and offered uh, to make a special offering. And that's Higher Ed Commissioner Teresa Lubbers and Delaney. Who's to blame for the failure of ITT Tech? Well, first of all, I'd like to compliment those five institutions for coming forward and trying to make it an easier path. I also think that the government has to stop guaranteeing for-profit college loans and stop and allow them to be discharged in bankruptcy. As long as there's a for-profit motive in this, they, are, uh, they have an incentive to entice students who either shouldn't be in higher education or shouldn't be in those programs to incur tens of thousands, in some cases hundreds. Of, I'm seeing people in bankruptcy who are retiring with a hundred grand in student loans still. Yeah. Well, that's it's answer, ridiculous. That's the essence of my question. Is the yeah. federal government to blame? I think the federal government has to stand up and recognize the mm -hmm. fact that this is time for a change. We need to take, we need to take a hard look at it. We do. Any question. I, I'm, I am pleased that those institutions came to, to the table. I, I think we should also be happy that the Commission for Higher Education, Teresa Lubbers, and the the Department of Workforce Development have kind of come together to say, all right, in case-by-case -case situations, we might help you pay for a prior learning assessment. Maybe some of your credits will transfer, because right now they can't transfer. And then trying to put something together where you can um, recoup or at least use again your GI Bill right, uh, uh, benefit uh, for, from the right. VA would be very helpful. There's been a lot of cooperation on a bipartisan basis with the That's VA secretary. Idea. Yeah, well, Luke Messer and others in the Indiana congressional delegation are, are trying to get legislation passed now that would allow veterans to take, as, as Messer says, a second bite of the apple with, with the GI Bill. Do you see them being successful? Oh, I think so. I mean, the, I, I think everyone knows that there are a lot of folks responsible here, and the federal government's one of them. It's great that the federal government is finally cracking down um, on institutions that may not be serving students well and putting students in thousands of dollars of debt. But, uh, but you know, ITT is to blame. There were some very bad decisions made by the um, ITT board along the way um, here. And so um, I do think that people will want, the Congress will want to help these students. Well, and back to where we started, if, if the federal government is to blame, they need to be part of the solution. Well, I think that's right. I, and I do think um, that the federal government needs to look at very hard at these institutions. ITT is just one of many of these for-profit organizations that have either fallen on hard times or found themselves in a similar situation. If they've committed criminal, criminal acts, they need to be held accountable for those. I think part of the problem we have with people's perception and belief in government and a faith in the government is that they feel like too many people in important positions are getting away with things. We saw Wells Fargo last week, a uh, $185 million fine, uh, 5,000 people fired, 
uh, and no admission of any kind well, of wrongdoing. I think that you cannot have that, and I think that the government really needs to investigate these in schools. In the Wells Fargo, it's even worse than that, because the person responsible for the division that perpetrated this fraud is getting a bonus, or a retirement bonus, of $150 million. Right. Talk about a reward for bad conduct. What I think the federal government may be doing well at this point is cracking down on the accreditor for these non or for yes, these for profit schools and by and that you know that helps the entire system rather than having to go after each individual institution cracking down on the accreditor helps take care of the, the it, larger problem it helps it but it also but they ought to be able to discharge you know, those and our public institutions and others need to make sure that we're kind of focused on a way to deliver education to a population that's changed in a way where it's not the same traditional model. And it's, some of these in, institutions came in to, to fulfill that gap, and it's not worked out in this case on the for-profit side. And so, you're right. There are gaps in there. Up. There it, are yeah. things that people, people that, that need, need to be taken care of. time and hours to, to, right. to gain an education that they aspire to. Finally, the Bicentennial Torch Relay continues this week. It started last week in Corridon. The torch designed at Purdue is now approaching central Indiana. It has traveled via tractor processional classic car, mini train, and even horse and buggy. This bicentennial celebration is all part of a 3,200-mile journey across the state, ending at the State House in a few weeks. John Hammond, is the torch relay getting the kind of attention that was anticipated? Well, I think it is at the outset. I mean, I think it's the idea is that it, it will grow and grow. It is a way to connect all Hoosiers to our heritage and uh, have that sort of sense that by the time we get to Indianapolis on October the 15th, I think you'll, you'll see it as a place where, around which a lot of conversations about not only celebrating our past, but setting a vision for the future. And this is being done community by community, county by county, each in their own way as they kind of celebrate yeah. their, their part of that history you know, for the Indi Indiana's 200 years. The, the, the Olympic torch, this, will this approach that sort of thing? Uh, it probably won't approach that. <laughs> but, I, you know, I really do wish that the Indiana Department of Tourism had provided for oh, uniforms that yeah, were, were made in Indiana <laughs> really had instead of in China. But they hired an Indiana contractor, right? They hired an Indiana. Who then had them made in China, yeah, and, just and like where, all of Trump's stuff. I don't know where your clothes are made. I, some of mine might be made in China, too. But, but I don't represent the state of Indiana. Well, let me say this. The torch is made in. And this is the, the Indiana Bicentennial. The torch was designed at Purdue. That's good. we got to go. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican John Hammond, Leslie Weidenbender of the Indianapolis Business Journal, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. Join us next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.